three doors down so you can't ignore it. Hi, Grandma. Have you heard from Mom? There's like a part of me that knows I should feel bad, but I can't feel anything for it. I what to do. I'm not gonna get a birthday or Christmas and this owned by my entire family. Dude, I'm not even getting to work. Come on. Shh. Someone's about to get fired. I'll hunt you down I like Tyrannosaurus. On the afternoon of November 2nd, 2018, as the Volusia County officers respond to a 911 call about a burglary, little did they know they were actually stepping into the most disturbing case Volusia County had ever seen. 911, where's your emergency? Um, I, I, I just got home and my house is completely trashed. It looks like someone broke in the side door. Okay. How long have you been gone? I, I've been gone all school day. Are you there by I, yourself? Yeah. I'm How old are you? 15. I need you to take a deep breath. I'm going to ask you a few questions, okay? Okay. My mom's car is here and it's on and she's not home. And she was supposed to go to work today, and I can't okay, find her. Okay, your mom's car is there. Is there any other way she ever get to work? Does she ever get a ride from anyone else? She, no, the car is on. It's turned on. The car on. is on, and you're sure she is not there? I searched the entire place. I've been here for like eight minutes. I've been working. Okay. I can't find her. I'm right here with you, okay? What's your name? All right, my phone name is Gregory Logan Ramos. Is there anybody that has made any threats to your mom or to you? Or no, 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 no. As the 911 operator is gathering information from 15-year-old Gregory, officers are arriving on the scene. I copy, thank you. Where does she work? She works in an architecture firm up in Orlando. Is she normally home this time of day? No, she gets home at 6, 6.30. Okay. Did she actually leave for work before you? She dropped me off. And... And she usually just heads back to the sunrail and hops in the train with her bike. And Is anybody else live here once again? My dad and my two step-siblings. Where are they at? Um, my dad is on a visit trip in Seattle. He'll be back this afternoon at 6, 6, 6, 30. Okay. And then the two step-children have their moms. Okay. But every, everything is gone. Like, except for, like, the mounted TV on my wall, there's every, everything is gone. Hoping to gain some insight into this burglary, two officers take a walk through Gregory's house. To their horror and shock, the home had been trashed beyond recognition. Every part of the house has been rifled through. The bedroom's closets are emptied out and dumped all over the floor. In the kitchen, every single cabinet was open and rifled through, including those under the sink. Glass littered the floor of the kitchen as the burglars had taken it upon themselves to smash all the glassware. That's weird. Why is there all this crap up here spilled? There's a broken glass here. Why is all this shit broken, dude? The damage around the house is more severe than a standard burglary, and the officers can't help but wonder if maybe these burglars had a personal vendetta against Gregory's mother, Gail, or his family. As the officers make preparations to take 15-year-old Gregory back to the station so he can be comfortable while they process the home, one of the neighbors approaches them. Just so I do have a key to their house, but I haven't been up here since yesterday evening or after you and I spoke. Yeah. I talked to his parents. Okay. As I told them, this young man has some problems really bad. Has she had any issues with him lately? Or? No, not that I know of. While processing continues at the house, Gregory is taken to the station. 
Seeking comfort and support, he calls Ken Jones, his sponsor with the Police Explorers, a youth program that allows teens interested in law enforcement to learn the basics and help their local sheriff's office. Ken meets Gregory at the station, and the two sit down for a chat in the following never-before-seen footage. It's been analyzed by a qualified team, including a licensed professional counselor, a licensed attorney, and a former detective, former licensed polygraph examiner, and former hostage negotiation commander and instructor. While Ken helps calm Gregory down, he notices some bruises on Gregory's face. What happened here? I uh, got in a fight yesterday. With one of my friends. I didn't see that yesterday. I had makeup on. Right. Um, the, uh, it was a conversation with my friends. We got into a disagreement. and But I solved the problem. I talked it out with him. And we made up. And he apologized for hitting me. And I accepted his apology. What was his name? We hugged it out. Um, my friend, Joe. Joe? Did SRD know about the fight? The who? No, this wasn't. There was no fight. He just oh. he just came up. He's like, Greg, and I was like, what? And he, he kind of punched me. He's like, what the hell, dude? I didn't hit back or anything. It was just. Right. And I was like, okay, well, calm down. Let's talk it out. We talked it out. And it was just, well, what's Joe's last name? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's your friend. Do you be honest with me, Greg? What's his last name? I don't know his last name. Who does those things? I don't know. One of the matter is, though, we made up. It was just a conversation that happened. It wasn't anything. Important. We talked it out and we hugged and it was like, dude, you know, I'm sorry. I made a mistake and he was justified. And I was, I said, I'm sorry for making that mistake. But what time this happened yesterday? Ball dark of the afternoon. But I saw you like, what? What time did you get out of the Well, I got there at seven. Okay. I, I, I just seen that you put makeup on it before you came out there? Yeah. Some concealer. Why would you do that? Because I didn't want to work traffic detail with scars on my face. I guess that's reasonable. The longer he chats with Ken, the more Gregory worries about his mother, Gail. Do you know if any developments have been made, if anything happened? They're going to tell you everything that goes on. But I'm trying to make sure that you are the right one. Because, you know, when you call me, you're very upset. Uh, yeah. I mean, so it's just all in all bad situation. Okay. Well, she had called me earlier. I could have come down here earlier with me. But that's why I want to come down here and make sure that you're okay. Look at me for a second. No matter what's happened, it's very important that whatever it is that you're up front and on, even like remember what Joe's last name is, mm-hmm. because that's important. What we need to act upon and you tell us things is what we're going to do. I know. we got to be able to trust you. His sponsor, Detective Jones, is acting like a father figure here, telling him to look at him and to be honest. In contrast, Gregory is sitting cross-armed and doesn't appear comfortable. As a 15-year-old kid, he should be panicking and asking about where his mom is, and yet, he's oddly calm. You know, I'm not saying that I'm telling the truth. Yeah, but say for some reason you don't want to tell me Joe's name. And I don't, I don't know why. Why wouldn't you want to tell me Joe? I'm not going to go run after Joe and get him in trouble. But that's just, I think you are. That's kind of like a, a question to make sure that you're going to be honest with. I, I do have my my full cooperation. It's just I don't I don't want I don't want um, an unrelated incident to be drawn into the more. Important but we may need to make sure it is unrelated. Maybe we need to make sure that the people didn't come there and hurt you too. Is that possible? No, it's not. Okay. All right. If it was, I would have voiced my concerns already. Okay. That's fair. But we want to make sure that you're okay. I'm fine. Because these guys are going to ask you a lot of questions. They're going to be hard questions. It's going to be a lot harder than me asking you what that guy's name is. Okay. 
Not only you put up new walls, I want you to just tell them exactly what happened. I want you to ask other questions. I'm ready. With Gregory feeling more comfortable, Sergeant Pagliari begins the interview. A couple of things. As you can see, I, I see as you keep looking at my recorder, so everything that I do obviously is recorded. Okay. Plus, you see the camera up in the thing there. Gregory is read his rights as a standard procedure. In Florida, there's no requirement for a parent to be present in order to interrogate a minor. However, there is an obligation to notify a parent or legal guardian when a minor is taken into custody, which isn't the same thing as questioning. The general take on the Florida parental notification requirement is that it's good faith and the inability to make contact with a parent or guardian doesn't put a halt to any questioning. Still, it's important to note that Miranda rights apply to minors in Florida just as they do to adults. Now it's time for Sergeant Pagliari to get some background information on Gregory's mother and some recent trouble at school. How would you say your relationship is with your mom? Jazz is ups and downs. Okay. I think everyone argues a little bit with their mom. Okay. I, we love each other a lot. And I really hope she's okay. Have you ever been in trouble with the law before or anything? No, sir. No? Okay. How about trouble in school? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Having his sponsor in the room should make him feel much more comfortable and relaxed. Yet Gregory has his arms tightly crossed and his nonverbal communication is not in sync with his verbals, indicating he's feeling anxiety. Given the situation, this is understandable. He doesn't know where his mom is and his house has been burglarized. Still, he's very closed off. And I'm just getting background before we get into things. That's all I'm trying to do here. So, like, trouble at school, like how? So I'm trying to think about what it was. Last month, mm-hmm. I got eyes and I was that for a day. What is that, sir? I don't know. Um, ISS is in school suspension. OSS is out of school suspension. Okay. Why? What happened? The, the weekend beforehand, my friend was feeling ill. So I went to go. I snuck out of my house to go talk to him. And I talked with him. And my friend smokes cigarettes. And he gave me some to take home with me. I put some in my backpack and I forgot to take them out. So when I was searched randomly at my school, mm-hmm. they were found. And how'd your mom feel about that? She was not happy, but we worked on a solution, which was me going to do community service for my church. Okay. You talk about ups and downs in your your mom's relationship, right? So that would probably be one of the downs, I would assume? No, because she was justified in her anger. That was my fault. But previously, my mom has done things that were not justified. You want to tell me about those? All you really need to know is it, it was just impulse wasn't anything serious. Gregory is making an attempt to not only be perceived as a good person by making himself look like someone who would admit it when he did something wrong, but also to control the interview when he adds, all you really need to know, given the fact that he's only 15, this is all very bold. Okay. I'm not here to get your mom in trouble, by the way. Yeah, I know. Okay. So if you're trying to if you think that what you're going to tell me is going to negatively affect what I think about your mother, that's not it at all. Um, it's just hard for me to talk about. Okay. Now that he understands Gregory a bit better, it's time for Pagliari to start creating a timeline from the day before the burglary. Who stayed at your house last night? Who was at my house last night? Yeah. 
Gregory repeats the question before answering, which gives him a pause to think about what exactly he wants to say. The reason this is a red flag is because the question is simple and straightforward, and not a complex question that requires a lot of thought. Me and my mother. Okay. Now, Detective Jones was, was talking to you, and I was, again, listening. You were at a fair or something yesterday? Yesterday, I was working parking detail for the Orange City Police Explorers. I was helping park cars at the Volusia County Fair. Do you know what time you came home last night? 8.47, maybe? Why so specific? That's just a time I remember, probably from looking at my phone. The thing with the, uh, the, the traffic detail ended early. It was supposed to go until 9, but I think it ended a bit early. And so I got home around close, just closer to 9. So, yeah. Mom was home? Yeah. Okay. And you guys, when you got home, conversation with mom, ask how your day was, anything? Yeah. How'd that go? Good. Okay. We talked to me at dinner. What'd you guys have for dinner? Mm, I don't remember. You don't remember what you had? No. It must not have been very eventful. No, it was just like a rough night. There's a slight upward inflection when Gregory answers, good. This often indicates a bit of uncertainty. When you got home, conversation with mom, ask how your day was, anything? Yeah. How'd that go? Good. The rest of Gregory's answers are also short and vague, but most interestingly, he also seems to be emphasizing that last night was, as he said, just like every other night. All of this together seems to suggest the opposite of what Gregory is saying, and something about last night was not good or like every other. So mom doesn't make good food? Because there seems to me dinner's never eventful. Is that what you're telling me? I know. Because when I find her and tell her, I'm going to say, listen, Greg says dinner's uneventful. You think she's going to be upset with me or upset with you when there are a few interesting interactions here. For one, a bit earlier, Gregory gives a very specific answer of 847, which sets the stage that his memory is very good. Second, the detective seems to have noticed how closed off Gregory is being still and is doing a little bit of friendly picking on him to build rapport. However, when the detective talks about finding his mom, Gregory makes some anchor point shifts. This thought should have raised a bit of hope or excitement, yet instead, he shows signs of anxiety. He said she goes off on you for other stuff, so I don't want her to go off on you for that. It's, it's whatever. How do you deal with it when she goes off on you? I've gotten better at it. You've gotten better at it? I used to get really angry and emotional, but I've kind of realized that's not worth it. Well, that's the only way to deal with it. The worst thing to do would be what, put your hands on her? I would never do something like that. You would never put your hands on your mom? No. And I think I've made that point quite clear to her. We had an argument a couple months ago, like it was like a long time ago, <laughs> and she sat across the room because she didn't trust me. And I told her I could, you know, yell and scream and yell all I want, do the exact same stuff you did me, but I would never, I'd never lay my hands on you. Never. That's just nothing like I do. Gregory repeats the statement that he would never lay his hands on his mother and then make some convincing character reference statements. It's clear that he's working really hard to be seen as a calm, non-violent person who couldn't have hurt his mom. It makes you wonder why he feels the need to emphasize this when she's just missing at this point. Sergeant Pagliari begins building a timeline. Okay, what happened this morning? I slept in. My alarm was not set. She woke me up around 6.20. I sleep in my clothes. So what you're wearing right now is what you wore to school? No, I changed shirts when I got home. Okay. I was sweaty. 
This is an odd detail. Why would Gregory even think of changing his shirt when he came home and found his house burglarized and his mother missing? But your pants and shoes are the same. Yes. And your socks. You got you? Yeah. Okay. So 620, you slept in. Okay. Mom came woke you up. Fired up, huh? She wasn't angry. Okay. So tell me what happened. She's like, okay, you gotta get up now. Go brush your teeth and pile in the car. So I grabbed my backpack. I went and brushed my teeth. Took out my retainer. Kind of messed with my hair a bit. And then I got in the car. So what time do you think you got to school? Honestly, I have no idea. Can't look at your phone? It's probably in the ballpark of like 640. Okay. It's certainly interesting that a few minutes ago, Gregory could remember the exact minute he got home, but now he honestly has no clue what time he got to school. Talk to anybody when you got there? Hey, what's up? You got friends at school? Yes. Who'd you talk to? First person you saw at school was who? First person I saw. Mm-hmm. For a brief moment, Gregory unblocks by lowering his arms and leaning forward. He then wrings his hands together before closing back off. Something about this line of questioning made him a bit uncomfortable, but why? Probably my friend Cat. Cat? Yeah. What a girl? Female. You got a last name? No. Who's your friend? You don't know her last name. I'm going to keep it real with you. Honestly, I don't really got that many friends. Um, I'm not like a super social person. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of acquaintances that I have, like, that I've either A, had a class, class with in the past, or B, have class with now, or C, I know from elsewhere. And so, um, yeah. Okay. No worries, man. No worries. I get that. What's your first period class, buddy? Biology. Who's that teacher? Mr. Olkstowski. Biology. Biology. What building is that room? Building and everything else, you know? Uh, building... Three. Mm-hmm. Four, three. Four, three is the room? Well, building three, floor three. Oh, floor three. I don't know the uh, room number. You want to take a stab at spelling the last name of that teacher? L-A-T-S-O-Y, or maybe W, and Ski, I guess. Man, woman? The guy. Okay. Okay. You like him? He's a good right. teacher. I have a D in his class. You have a D? Yeah. How's Mom feel about that? We had an argument about it last night. Oh, tell me about that. We talked about it. Basically, she's like, you know, I can't be doing this. And I was like, well, I got all these and be the last quarter. I can pull my grade up before the end of the semester. And she was like, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Don't act so cocky. I'm like, I'm not. I just know I'm capable of doing things like that. Sergeant Pagliari has honed his skills when it comes to reading behavior. And he's picking up on some strange behavior from Gregory. You know, one thing that you said, you'd like being a, you want to be a detective someday. And in my personal experience, when people start a story and then they go into the blah, blah, blah part, that there's more to the blah, blah, blah. So if you will, Greg, tell me what the blah, blah, blah part was for this argument. Okay, well, basically, she was just kind of like, you know, whatever. You act narcissistic sometimes. Don't be so cocky. Using the word basically tends to indicate that someone is leaving something out. This, combined with Gregory's nonverbal behaviors such as self-soothing head rubbing, scratching, possible eye blocking, and his one hand tightly across his stomach in a protective and guarded posture, all seem to indicate that he's feeling a lot of anxiety. And I was like, well, I'm not cocky. I'm capable. I, you know, I feel like I have the skills because I've done it before to fix my grades in a short amount of time. And I was like, I probably, probably could fix them by Friday and stuff. And just talking with her about that. And she was like, all right, whatever, go study your biology. And I was like, all right. So I studied my biology for about an hour. And then I went to her room and she was on the phone with dad. 
I said, hi, Dad. And they hung up and I said, uh, I said a prayer with her for a good night. And that are whenever, for a million hours, for Grandma, for Uncle John, stuff like that. When people say, and then, or jump to parts of their story by saying, and, repeated a few times in a row, it tends to mean that they're going through events like their bullet points, and they're usually leaving something out between the ands. And I was like, I probably, probably could fix them by Friday. And so I studied my biology for about an hour, and then I went to her room, and she was on the phone with Dad. I said, hi, Dad. And they hung up, and I said, uh, I said a prayer with her for a good night. And... That are whenever, for a million hours, for grandma, for Uncle John, stuff like that. Pay close attention to the moments when Gregory says, and then, as the questioning continues. And then I kissed her, and I went to sleep. Okay. And that was around, I went to sleep around 11. That is why I woke up late. Okay. When was the first time somebody called you about, or did anyone call you about your mother not being at work or anything like that? I received no communication from anyone about that. Okay. With Gregory's school day seeming as normal as can be, the sergeant inquires about what he found when he got home that afternoon. Gregory gives some indication that he's feeling anxiety around the questions of what happened when he got home by fidgeting with his fingers, making anchor point shifts, and doing some self-soothing rubbing on his arm. It's important to note that an innocent person might also experience anxiety with these questions, as coming home to such a house after a robbery would be traumatic. However, it's still going to be noted by the detective. How long would you say it takes you to get from the bus stop to your house? 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. You weren't running or anything today, were you? No. Okay. Gregory makes even more anchor point movement shifts as this line of questioning starts, moving his leg up into a barrier position and engaging in some self-soothing as well. Front door was locked. You used the key. Mom's car was in the driveway? Correct. And you told Detective Jones it was running? It was running. Is that odd? Yes. Is it odd the fact that your mom's car is even there at all? Yes. Why? Because she parks at the Sunrail station, and then she takes her bike on the Sunrail to go to her job. How does mom usually get home? 6.30. Car's in the driveway and it's running. That's weird. Car's there at all. It's weird. You agree? Yes. So now you use the key and you open the door. What do you do? What's the first thing you do when you went inside? Well, I noticed that there was all over the floor, like just a bunch of like crap that we were strewn everywhere. And the closet doors were open, and there were stuff spilled on my table. I just noticed that the the front view of my house was chaotic. Spilled on the table where? Uh, I don't know. On the table. What, what room's the table? Oh, it's um, my house. You go through the front door, and there's this hallway. My room is this way, and then there's our dining room table right here. Okay. Gotcha. And the next thing I did was we went in my room, and my I noticed that there were things missing, and that there was dressers and crap. Uh, you know, all that crap just pulled out and just thrown everywhere. What's missing from your room? Mainly, I didn't really look like look thoroughly for like everything that was missing from my room, mm-hmm. but I noticed three things in particular. What are those? My stereo system. Describe what they were. So three things. It's stereo a, system. What's that? It's it's like a radio with two large speakers and it lights up LED blue. Do you know who makes it? Zero clue. Zero was pretty popular. Yeah, I know. What's your other thing that you're missing? My gaming computer. Like, is it a, uh, describe it to me. It is white. It has a glass side, and inside you can see the wires and the graphics cards and all that stuff inside, and it glows LED blue. So it's like a tower, not a laptop? It is, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a big boy. Is that attached to a monitor? That's how you play? Yeah. 
I uh, paid with it for all my own, with all my own money from summer jobs and stuff. Must be pretty pissed off that's gone. Yes. I'd be pissed off. You spent all your money that you earned to buy this computer tower. Now it's gone. Mom, I'm more pissed off that my mom is gone. Rightfully so. This is an interesting moment. It appears that Gregory doesn't want to show anger about his missing things, so he deflects it back to his missing mom to appear like the appropriately concerned teenager. But it all seems a little forced. What's the third thing? I have uh, my. I have a twenty-five. I forget the weight on it, but it's a hunting legal combat bow. Combat bow. Compact bow. Give me that. Yep. Yeah. That makes a phone call. to You can talk to the jump. While Sergeant Pagliari steps out of the room to make some calls, Gregory chats with Detective Jones. What do you think my house will not be a crime scene? Hello? Sometimes it takes hours, sometimes it takes almost a day and a half. I know you've worked cases like this before. I have. It takes a while sometimes. And the more information you can give them, the better off it is. Yeah. They need to know what to do, where to go. I made a lot of bad decisions in my life. Which, in regards to other things, yeah, and just... His answer here immediately grabs Detective Jones's attention, and he moves into the confession position. Gregory must have noticed because he quickly clarified with regards to other things, but it makes you wonder what exactly is his sponsor thinking in this moment. Now, my mom's gone. Like, like, I don't make that reconcile with myself. Well, why would you think that's the case? No one knows where the hell she does. Why would a home invader take take like take hostage if like somebody knows? Home mom's okay. Yeah, I do too, Greg. I can't imagine what it'd be like. Love you, mom, don't you? Have you guys had your argument with her last night? If you was here right now, what would you say to her? I would feel like such a dick after every argument we have. Just make me angry because we don't. Understand each other because we're different people and have different opinions, but we love each other. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. You feel guilty about the fight a little bit? I just. <laughs> what? I just wish she's. I hope she's safe. Did you say you want her back? Gregory makes a big mistake here. He slips up saying, well, she's, I, I hope she's safe. He may have just given away not only what happened to his mom, but that he may know more about it than he's letting on. To cover, he starts to cry. But if you're wondering if he's actually upset, notice that he gets distracted and has to brush his hair out of his face. After the detective helps Gregory calm down, Pagliari comes back into the room with more questions, hoping to get any information from Gregory that might help them find his mother. So you were you were talking about going through the house. You went down, uh, took some inventory. Well, well after I after I went downstairs looking for my mom and didn't find her, I went back upstairs, and I decided I needed to check on my dog. He's so eager to continue his story that he actually interrupts the detective. Going through the house, you went down, uh, took some inventory. Well, after I after I went downstairs, he seems pressured to go through what he did when he got home and to explain everything. This is really interesting because an innocent person shouldn't feel the need to explain things. It simply is what it is. It's 
the house was broken into, robbed. There was, I thought there was a good chance they killed my dog. But, I mean, I didn't know he doesn't bark that much, but I, I didn't know if they were going to do that or, if, uh, like, whatever. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I walked into the laundry room, and I saw everything was, like, displaced, right? But um, my dog was fine. And that's when I noticed the door. The door, um, here, I can uh, stand up and show you. You want to stand up and show me? Okay. So, if, let's say this is the knob for the door. Okay. There's a deadbolt here. The yep. deadbolt was unlocked, right? And this was locked. But this entire wooden area on this frame mm-hmm. was, was, it been busted open. Like it, like the force of the door was so powerful sure. that it that it had literally broken the wood. And I I recognized that as someone kicking in the door. It's odd that Gregory thinks this is something he needs to demonstrate. It's more likely that he feels the need to burn off nervous energy. Why do you think that? Because uh, either that or they or they somehow forced the door open. But the, it, it had to be a strong enough force to break this like. To break, like, a person burning a lock, basically, it has to be strong enough to do that. Sure. So, did you think that... Yeah. The, uh, the force and everything you're talking about here, is this because of that, based off your explorer training? Um, common sense. Common sense? I'm just assuming, just thinking out loud, like, you have to be able to be, like, either strong enough or there needs to be, like, a certain amount of force for the for the wood like a door frame to like basically like crack and like make like make the lock give out sure as gregory draws out a layout of his home for sergeant pagliari he mentions something odd that he noticed in his mother's room i made it to the master bedroom and there it was just really bad it was terrible in there and uh one thing i noticed was that the bed was at an angle what's it supposed to be supposed to be straight on okay now there's a dresser here there's a dresser here there's a couple bookshelves and there's a mirror here and then there's a dresser here and then um that's the bathroom going on but that is that bed was out of place that's one of the major things i noticed was that the bed was out of place there's been a shift in how gregory answers these questions and he's much more open to talking about things that have nothing to do with his mother so after I surveyed the house and looked for my mom, I called the cops. Okay. I'm pretty sure you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Did you see, uh, okay. there's one thing I want to ask you about. You said you came home from school and you wore different clothes in school. So you went through the whole house, you did all this surveying and everything. At what point did you think it was pertinent to change your clothes? All right, let me tell you. So I was sweating my ass off, right? Mm-hmm. I was really hot and instead of just answering the question directly he goes into a long story to explain his actions which is another sign that he feels nervous about what he's saying i i told my family so i think i told you this but i got in the house and i felt sick i couldn't find my mom i was freaking out i was just was not in a good place and so I went to my bathroom and I threw up the toilet mm-hmm. and I then proceeded to flush the throat down. And then I 
took off my school shirt and I changed it to a different shirt. I didn't know if there was any throw up on it or not, but I just, you know, I was feeling hot and sweaty and I needed to change the color. Where's the shirt at now? Um, it's in my hamper. Where, you know, where, where's that? In my room. Okay. Sergeant Pagliari clarifies one final detail before diving into Gregory's story. If things seem a little odd so far, then get ready, because this is where things start to get even stranger. Detective Jones was talking about the marks to your face. And Correct. I want to talk about that a little bit more. Right. All right. When did that happen? Can I ask what relevance this has to the conversation? Everything is relevant, Greg. Right? Asking about the relevance is the kind of thing you could expect to hear from an experienced criminal as a deflection, or from a savvy adult with a lawyer, perhaps. But this is unexpected awareness on the part of a young, seemingly not criminally involved teen. He sounds like a defense lawyer here, not a kid. It also shows that he may be fishing to see what information they have. You know, they're going to say, hey, listen, you know, Greg's mother's missing. Greg has marks on his face. Is it possible that Greg... Got in some kind of altercation with his mother, right? They're going to ask me that. Yeah. Okay. So now I need to explain when you got those marks on your face. All right. Good. When? Yesterday. Yesterday? What time? After school. We're at student parking lot. Okay. Who did it? My friend Joe. What's his last name? Um, it starts with an L. You have a class with him? No. Is he's, there, he's older than me, but he's... um. He's what? He's older than me? Older than you. Okay. Joe L. Older. White male, black male, Hispanic male. White. Okay. What grade do you think uh, Joe L. is in? He's a junior. How long have you known him? Year and a half. Okay. Not going to explain the situation to you because it probably looks like I got my ass beat. Go ahead, please. Tell me what happened. All right. So at homecoming, Joe's ex-girlfriend was attempting to grind on me. I don't know if you know what that is. Tell me what it is. It's like when you have, you have, um, well, I was hanging out with my friend, uh, my other friends, right? And they're obviously, they're being grinded on, right? But I don't, I don't have a girlfriend and I'm kind of more focused on other things and I don't have time for that. And so his ex-girlfriend, Joe's ex-girlfriend comes with the grind on me and I'm like, you know, I don't really want to do that. And she's like, well, come on, it'll be fun. And so she did it and I kind of just kind of let her because... I wanted to head in, I guess. But Joe found out, so he came up to me, and then he uh, he slapped me and he punched me. And he goes, dude, what the hell? You know, why would you do that? And I, and we talked to that. And I basically explained to him that I was at fault. I shouldn't have done that. I value more. I value you more than those other people. You know, I value our, our, what we have, and I wouldn't want to end that. And I want you to understand that I'm sorry, and that I'm that I, I really want to continue being friends with you. And he was like, you know, it was kind of a dick move for me to come up and hit you without any prefix. So I'm sorry that I did that. Then we hugged, and I said. See tomorrow. That was it. Was there anybody else there at all this? No. Not that I know of. Not that I know of is a selective memory statement, but Gregory's entire story is full of red flags, starting with the neck rubbing. 
It's not particularly believable that most teen boys would get in a fight like that and make up that quickly, never mind hug and not even know each other's last names. Either Gregory actually has no clue how normal interactions work, or he thinks the officers are that naive and dumb that they will believe this story. So you were just in the parking lot. Like, were you walking? Were you hanging out? I mean, how did this... Tell me about how he... I was hanging out with my friends. So you were there in the parking lot with other people? Yeah. Okay. Well, can you name somebody with a first and last name? Brian Torres. Brian Torres. Torres. Spell it for me, but give it a go. P-O-R-E-Z. P-O-R-E-Z. So, Torres. Yeah. Okay. What grade is he in? He is in here. Is he in a class with you? No. Big yeah, no. He saw it. He saw it all go down. So, Brian Torres saw Joe L. punch you in the face. Yeah. In the student park on like yesterday at University High School. Yes. Okay. Gregory's story is now out in the open, but there are a few issues with it. While Sergeant Pagliari has been speaking with Gregory, another investigator has been verifying information with Gregory's school, and things just aren't lining up. That's 100%. That's everything? That, no, that's it. I mean, you're telling me that there's that you're telling me it's the truth. Yeah. Okay. You're in school all day. Yep, I've never seen money. Should I believe everything that you told me today, Greg? I mean, it's up to you. Well, do you, here's the thing, okay? Do you think that I'm not going to go or have some of my detectives go and run down your story and verify all these places you're at? Yeah. An honest person is much more likely to just say yes or ask why wouldn't you instead of a more confrontational answer like it's up to you. And when I do that, what are they going to tell me? That they're going to tell you it's truthful. That you were in, uh, you went to every class today. I was late to seventh period and I was in the auditorium sixth period. I don't think I mentioned that, but. Okay, so you didn't check yourself out of school today at 110? No, why? So the school's wrong. What do you mean? So if the school tells me that Greg checked himself out of school today at 1.10 p.m., that's, that's wrong. Yeah, because uh, I was there all day. Okay. So if, if Mr. Dye tells me you weren't in school today in his class, he's wrong. No. No, he's not wrong. But I didn't I didn't leave the school. So you lied to me. Oh, I didn't leave the school. Yes, I left the school. I said no. You lied to me. Period. I don't give a damn what it's about. You lied to me. What happened? Gregory seems to freeze a bit here, like he's trying to decide what his next story is going to look like. The detective just confronted him, and now he's entered the deconflicting stage of the liar's loop for this part of his lie. He now has to make his story fit into what the detective already knows. As well, the detective is doing a good job of slowly entering the confrontation stage of the read technique, bringing up piece by piece to see how Gregory responds. He's also sitting in the same position as Gregory. This kind of mirroring is meant to improve rapport and connection, even while confronting him. Well, as you know, I have a D in biology. Mm -hmm. I fell asleep in this class. And so I needed to get shit done. I needed to go in that grind. So I skipped into the auditorium sixth and seventh period. And I sat down and I took that time and I did my bio homework. 
and the stuff I need to do for bio because I'm missing a frick ton of, of assignments in there. I think I'm missing, in total, I'm missing six. Those need to be done. So why would the school say you checked yourself out of 110? Because I would show up absent for both of those classes. You can't check yourself out. It's hard to tell if Gregory is being genuine, but if he's willing to lie about something like this, then what else could he be lying about? Why'd you lie to me about stupid as biology? Because I don't want you to have a bad opinion of me. Because I want you to understand. I've done a lot of wrong things mm -hmm. in my life. And I acknowledge that. I don't make the best decisions. But if something serious as this, or my mom is missing, I need, I need, it, I need you to, you know, not have a bad opinion of me. My opinion of you, Greg, is whatever you tell me. My job is not here to make judgments, good, bad, or indifferent. My job is to get as much as I can from you to help find your mother. Now, when you lie to me, even if it's a little bit, yeah, you lose some credibility. And you can get all upset and cry about it. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that it goes. Now I get it. You hear what I'm saying? No, I hear what you're saying. And then I get these things about, well, who's, who's the guy that drove you? I don't know. Brian something. Well, I, I didn't lie to you. I legitimately forgot his name the first time I was talking about him. These things that you tell me, right? Especially when you're not in uh, when you're not in school, can anybody verify you were where were you when you did your biology homework? In the auditorium. So I want to see you on camera in the auditorium doing your biology homework. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So if I don't see that and I call you a liar again, am I right to do that? Yeah. But that's what you will see. So I'm not really worried about it. Okay. All right. So if I were to hypothetically just say, or just to say, not even hypothetically, if I were to say that. You went home last night, got in an argument with your mom for whatever reason. I guess it was the biology thing, right? Because I know she told your dad yeah. that you guys got in an argument about it. If I were to say that you went to school and then you came home, somehow you got home. I'm not sure how you got home, but you checked yourself out. Now, again, give me some, some credit here. You checked yourself out or you left school checking out. You just left. Somehow you got home. You get home. Something happens to your mom or you, you and your mom got into hands on. You did something to your mom. Wouldn't that be far-fetched? What do you mean? You killed your mom. Why would you think I would do that? Following this accusation, Gregory freezes and pauses for a long time. Right now, he's been pretending that she's just missing, so this is a big jump, but Gregory's response is very suspicious. He doesn't show any anger or indignation as you would expect from an innocent person being accused. He just flipped it and asked the detective a question. He didn't even deny it. He just deflected. You tell me. You guys have ups and downs. You got marks on your face. You told me Joel is the one that punched you in the face. But before, you didn't say shit about it. You didn't ask. I did ask. I said, who was there? I don't know. Oh, maybe my friend was there. Your credibility with me, Greg, sometimes is up and down. So again, when I ask you, would it be far-fetched if you came home today and killed your mother? Yeah. You did kill your mother? No. Would it be far-fetched? Yeah. What? So I've never done something like that. But she hit you. I know she hit you. This is the first big confrontation when Pagliari states, you killed your mom. He then attempts to build a theme that she's been hitting Gregory, offering him some kind of justification. But as the accusations against him become more and more severe, Gregory seems to realize that the only way to protect his innocence is to make some tragic and startling revelations. Have you ever been sexually assaulted? No. Have you? Yes. 
Okay, I have. I was assaulted. I reported it to the police. They did nothing. Okay. So, the only person that was really there for me were my parents, and specifically my mom. My mom was the one who helped me through that dark time in my life. I felt, I, I attempted to more than once, more than three times. She never put me in all facts. She never called the cops. She never did any of that. She helped me through that, that time in my life where I was in a bad place and she saved me for myself. I love my mom more than anything. And we have our ups and downs and we have our problems, but I love her. The timing of his story is questionable. He seems to be trying to deflect from the accusation that he killed his mother and put himself into a victim role in the eyes of the detective. It's a fairly common tactic for narcissistic individuals to use threats or actions like this to manipulate others. He also makes really intense eye contact while leaning forward and seems to be trying to read if he believes his story. This position is similar to the confession position, but the officers don't have him to that point yet. He's just trying to manipulate them into believing him. And I was explaining to Detective Jones earlier, I had gotten into an argument with my mom maybe a year ago, and she sat me across the room, and she said, I'm scared of you. And I said, why? She's like, what if you lay your hands on me? And I said, I would never do that, because I would never do that. I... That's not something I would do. That's not something I would ever do. I would never lay my hand on my mother. She's done too much for me, too much for her family, for me to lay hands on my mother. You're a detective, right? Yes. Okay. So, do you want to know what happened to you? Yes. Do you want to, we, me and you want the same thing. Yes. You want to find my mom. I wonder what happened to your mom. I want to know what happened to my mom as well. And I don't, I don't think she's dead, uh, whatever. I try to think positively, but it's whatever. The point of the matter is, like I've said before in our previous conversation, like I said before is a reference statement and saves him from having to repeat a lie again. I've made some mistakes in my life, and I regret them. And, and now I'm going to voice my mistakes to you so you can understand what happened. I don't know what happened to my mom. That's the first thing I want to get out. I don't know what happened to my mom. But I do know where I was. I know how everything conspired. And I know that I lied to you a lot because I wanted to protect my own name. But I realized now that after I after you told me after you asked me whether I would that, that whether I killed my mom or not, I realized that there's something more important than just me. And that's my family. And in order to help my family and get them the answer that they want. Gregory is really trying to position himself as a good person by repeating how much he cares about his mom, family, and how great of a kid he is. A truly innocent person would likely not need to repeat this to convince anyone, as it would be obvious. It's just, it's just if I need to be completely honest with you. And so, that's what I'm going to do. So... Flip the page and I'll tell you what happened. 
It's clear that he's used to being in charge and telling adults what to do, as it's very bold for a 15-year-old to tell a detective what to do, such as flip the page. As Gregory begins to spill the beans on the events leading up to the incident, his story sounds similar at first, with him getting a ride home from the police explorers the previous night and getting into a fight with his mother over his grades. However, things took a shocking turn after Gregory supposedly went to bed that night. Around 11 o'clock on Thursday, I went to sleep. But I didn't really go to sleep. I just kind of went to my room and turned off the lights. I don't know, I'm not allowed to have my phone in my room due to something we'll discuss soon. So I go at 11. No, what 11? I probably, I waited until 12.30 until I went to my mom's room and got my phone. As he launches into this story, Gregory includes a ton of unnecessary details to try to appear honest. This type of embellishment is an attempt to bury the story in the details. It's also interesting because it can help manage the anxiety of being dishonest by including all these tidbits of over-honesty in the story. With this many details, it's almost like he's attempting to derail the conversation away from finding his mom by going into so many tangents. I then proceeded to call my friends um, to come pick me up, and I snuck out of my window, and I got picked up by my friends. I then went to... We drove around town, first off. We did that for about... An hour. Just before he launches into this story, he shifts away from everyone, back into the side, away from his sponsor. It seems like he doesn't want to be a part of this conversation anymore. In that, in that hour or two, I smoked a lot of cigarettes, drank on alcohol, did a lot of shit. But, I, so whatever, right? It's now... 1.30, I believe. And I'm back. And we go to where um, me and my friends get, we're in the car. And I have to understand, while my friends did come, quote unquote, pick me up, I was the one driving. And I wasn't, and while I had had some drinks, I wasn't um, drunk. I wasn't uh, drunk. Like, I was fully lucid and conscious, so um, I was driving my mom's minivan, and we drove to this church, and there's a uh, fire pit in the back, and so me and my friends smoked a bit there, um, they were there, I bought an LSD tab, so my other friends just kind of chilled there, and we would go back and forth between my house to get more money to go to 7-Eleven or other places and get food or drinks or snacks in general. So we traveled a lot between this fire pit and my house, in which case afterwards, and then it was like 5.45, as he tells this story, it not only changes multiple times and is filled with far too many details than necessary, indicating that he has a memory of extremes, but he's rubbing his nose, touching his mouth, fidgeting with a pen, and then puts his guard back up quickly. All of this indicates that Gregory is experiencing a high level of anxiety. 
Soon he will show his memory of extremes when he goes from sharing too many details to suddenly leaving something out. I drove the van home, hopped in to my house. I was wearing black boots and jeans and a gray t-shirt. And I got in my house and I started getting ready for school. Put my bio textbook in my backpack. You know, just started getting ready, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. After this, Gregory's story once again aligns with the one he told earlier. His mom dropped him off at school and he went through his day like normal until the sixth period. At 1.10, after fifth period, I met up with my friends. We walked us, we walked off campus, uh, stopped to go to the bathroom of the woods. Not really necessary detail, but that is what happened. And I uh, then my friend's car, and we drove to my house. We picked up some more money. Um, then we drove to the fire pit again, and we smoked more cigarettes there, talked. This one of my friends, this is the same kid that was suicidal, and I snuck out of the night for him, but I um, I didn't just sneak out. I stole my mom's car like I had was like I did Thursday night, and I had driven over to his house, and I had talked to him myself. And so this is one of the kids. And so we were just talking about life problems and how to deal with them and just all this shit. Gregory is once again trying to make himself look like a good person and an honest person by telling on himself, and then bolsters this by including the story about helping his friend. And we were shooting the shit at this fireplace and smoking cigarettes and just kind of chilling. And then we basically went back home, and they dropped me off. And then then on. Note that Gregory says he basically went back home, along with a super extended and then, followed by a long pause before he answers. He's clearly mentally skipping something, but he makes a poor attempt at covering it up as it's pretty obvious, especially as there will be several more pauses throughout his story. It's pretty much the same. I noticed my mom's car was there. The lights were on. I walked into the house. Everything was everywhere. Door busted and all that shit, whatever. I already told you. Went through my house, looking for my mom. Wasn't anywhere to be found. Blah, blah, blah. Call the police. Finally, after hours of interrogation, Gregory begins to divulge some of the truth. At face value, this information might not seem relevant to finding Gregory's mother, but Sergeant Pagliari has a suspicion that it just might be more important to the case than anyone realizes. Where were you last night? What's their names? Brian Porres and Dillon Square. How do you get out of the house window? In your bedroom? Yeah. You're wearing black boots, jeans, mm-hmm. black jeans, right? Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I dumped all of this clothing because I smelled like smoke. Okay. So black boots, though, black jeans? Mm-hmm. Right? They weren't black jeans, but they were just, just jeans. Slow jeans? Yeah. Okay. Well, they're pink or purple or gray. They're just standard blue. Yeah. Gray t-shirt. Yeah. The detective appears to be trying to mirror Gregory's language, which is a pretty common tactic in rapport building. Mirroring verbal language serves the same purpose as mirroring nonverbal language. It helps with connection and trust. So now it's you and Dylan. Who else? Brian. You picked up Brian and Dylan also? Yes. 
Mom's minivan? It was us three. It was us three. Us, you three. Yeah. You drank? What were you drinking? Alcohol. What type? Like a beer, liquor? Tequila. Tequila. Okay. Who brought the tequila to the party? Dylan. Tequila. Smoking what? Cigarettes. Just cigarettes? Yes. And these guys, Dylan and Brian, dropped you off today. At your house. Well, they, I told you they dropped me off at. Uh, right here. When Dixie? Or no, uh, where's the, the, where the hell are you talking about? Where's that place they said they dropped you? This is High Banks. So they dropped me off here. And I walked the rest of the distance. So it's not possible that Dylan and Brian came to your house after they dropped you off, stole your shit, and killed your mom. Is that possible? Well, I'd see them drive past me. Okay. Well, I'm just, I have to ask because, again, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, what they left with your mom? No, they're all they're they're definitely accounted for because I have because I, I saw them throughout the school day, and so if this whatever happened to my mom, I don't even know what the fuck happened, but whatever happened to my mom, it happened during the school day, obviously because when I got home she wasn't there and the house was ransacked, so obviously something whatever. Gregory repeats the word obviously, which is a way to push his narrative. Remember, the more you repeat something, the more likely others are to believe it. So none of that that's missing, you didn't take to go trade for drugs or anything else? No. Okay. Did your friends? No. Okay. Now, you, you understand that, uh, hopefully you understand, that this could have been flushed out hours ago. Yeah, I do. So I want to give you some credibility. I mean, what's that got to do with, you said you want your, your, your have answers. This isn't any answers for me. I mean, this is you going out being a teenager, stealing your mom's car, and doing some shit. I thought you were going to tell me that you know who, what happened to your mother. Like, somebody killed your mom? I don't, or know, what, I don't know what happened. I already told you. Okay. This well, is, I'm, I'm giving you my alibi. So you know I didn't off my mom. Stating that he's given his alibi is certainly odd, and rather than actually denying being involved, Gregory seems to be fixated on his story. Okay. Are you not getting hostile on me, are you? I'm here to help you. Yeah, no, but you, you, I, it's not, I'm not trying to get hostile. Okay. It's just, it's just the fact that. Well, you have to understand that you could have told me this before, but now, did, did, did this guy, Joe, punch you in the face yesterday? Is that legit? Yeah, it is. This is the first time we see Gregory get really flustered, though we've seen him do a lot of self-soothing throughout. Perhaps he's realizing he's still not out of the woods, but little does he know this interview is not going to go the way he hoped. Okay, so Brian saw the guy punch you in his face. Did Dylan see this guy punch you in his face? No, he wasn't there. He wasn't there, but Brian's going to vouch for you. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure, because again, I want to, if you can't understand that I'm taking some of the things that you say with a grain of salt. Making Gregory think that his friends might not corroborate his story and planting a seed of doubt that his friends will give a different story, the detective is using the prisoner's dilemma to try to get him to be honest. Then, no, I fully understand. Okay. Um, But, yeah. So neither one of them know that my mom is missing. Sergeant Pagliari gives Gregory one last chance to tell the truth before they verify his story with evidence. I want you to look at me real quick, because what I'm about to tell you, I want you to understand the magnitude of it. Okay. Okay. So earlier in our conversation, I've been very transparent with you. I've told you some of our tactics and things that we're going to do. I told you that we're going to verify your story, right? Yes. Okay. So one aspect of your story, obviously, is a rundown Brian and Dylan, okay, who you said you were with last night and who you were with today, okay? Correct. So think carefully about this. Okay. 
what do you think Dylan or Brian is going to say? Like about me? Yes. Well, they're probably going to act like they don't know me. Or they'll verify everything I've said. Why would they act that they don't know you? They don't want to get involved. Involved in what? Like, involved with my problems? I guess, I don't know. Point of the matter is, yeah, if you go run them down whenever you do that, whenever you want to do it. Like right now we're doing it. Oh, you are? Yeah. Yeah, they'll verify my story. They're going to do what? They'll verify what I'm saying. Which is that you have nothing to do with the murder of your mother. My mom was murdered? What do you think? I don't know. I didn't think she was murdered. While Gregory continues to sit in the hot seat, two other detectives sit down with his friend Dylan Siglarek. Little do they know, Dylan is about to break their case wide open. Yeah, and, uh, what's going on, man? Not much. How you doing, I'm Steve Wheeler. I'm a detective with the Sheriff's Office. Detective Mike Cox. How are you? Pretty all right. How are you doing? Mind if we have a moment of your time? Yeah. Kevin, you already have an idea of what you're doing? Anybody contact you about anything? No. Okay. Have you talked to Greg today? I saw him at school. You, how good of friends are you guys? I mean, I talked to him, but we're not, like, super, super close. Okay. Who is he super close with? I don't really know. I don't talk to him that much to really find out. I only have, like, two close friends myself, so. Okay. Who are, who are your close friends? Um, there's Brian. He's a really good friend of mine. And then, yeah, really, Brian. He's, like, the only person I talk to okay. on a daily basis. What's his last name? Juarez. Juarez? D-O-R-R-A-S. Do you know another kid named Joey? Joe, Joey Jr. or something like that? Then maybe friends with Greg? No. I mean, I don't know people by names, really. So, like, I might have seen them, but I don't know. While this isn't definitive proof of whether or not Gregory's story so far has been true, there seems to be some discrepancies in the statements given by both of the boys. Dylan doesn't know who Joel is, and maybe it's because there's an entirely different reason that Gregory has scratches on his face. Not only that, but he also seems to be downplaying his relationship with Gregory. According to Gregory, he had saved Dylan from taking his own life. It seems strange that Dylan wouldn't consider Gregory a close friend after such an incident. Uh, have you ever gone to Greg's house? Yeah, I'm in a Greg's house. Okay. Um, when, when, do you, when do you think the last time was you were over there? Uh, I mean, probably last time I worked with him. Right? Yeah, last time I worked with him. So, like, Saturday. Okay, so recent. Like, is he okay, though? So, Greg's fine. Okay. Dad's fine. Everybody's fine except his mom. That's the problem. His, his mom is gone. We don't know where she's at. We have at. no idea where the play is at. We have zero idea what this lady is And that's why we're here talking to you, because we know you're friends with Greg. Yeah, I was just kind of worried for him. Yeah. Greg's and, fine. Uh, I mean, he looks like he got in a fight. He said he got in a fight today at school, which is why we were trying to figure out what was going on there, because it's going with all the leads that we possibly can. So. For now, Dylan is aware that he needs to watch everything he says, but later on, he won't be so careful. As soon as he mistakenly thinks the cameras aren't rolling, he will make some truly shocking statements without realizing he's being recorded. She's missing today? Yeah, yes. she, she's missing today. She's missing right now. And they have no idea where this lady went. It, there's some, some unusual circumstances around it that we're, we just, it's just, it's abnormal. And uh, Enough. Abnormally to get a bunch of detectives out here. Yeah, we were both at home and they called us and said, hey, we need you guys to come in. We need yeah. to start talking. With some general information gathered from Dylan, the detectives start verifying his story. The only time you saw Greg today was in the morning and in the afternoon at lunch and you haven't seen him since? I didn't really see him, no. What do you mean you didn't really see him? Like, I didn't face-to-face -face kind of thing. I saw him walking, but... When? I 
after lunch and then before I left. Okay, but not out of school? No. And Greg never left early and got a ride with you guys at all? No, I was with Brian. It's clear that Dylan and Brian are incredibly close and seemingly spent the day together. Wanting to make sure that they have every angle on this story, detectives are sent to question Brian as well. How you doing, sir? Are you Brian? Shut up! Yeah. Hey, Brian, I'm Detective Miller. This is uh, Detective Johnson. Yeah. We need to talk to you. So, can we come in and talk to you? Uh, here, let me step out real quick. Sorry, you just woke me up. Sorry, man. All right, well, here's the deal, man. Here's We need to talk to you about uh, that burglary happened over at Greg's house today. Okay. You know anything about it? Uh, he messaged me that something happened. That's all I've heard, though. Yeah. Did you see Greg today? That's cool. What time? Uh, from last I saw him was lunch. Did you see him after lunch? What? Did you see him after lunch? No, I was in class. That's really like one of the last times I saw him, so. So far, it seems like Brian and Dylan's stories are adding up. However, it doesn't take long before Dylan makes a mistake. Did you ever know Greg to have a, how do I describe this? A mean streak, per se, in him? You ever see him get angry? Like anger issues? Angry, yeah. Any indication that he has it in him. Does he have a lot of anger built up? Does he have a lot of animosity against anything or he anyone? Like, like have hate for him, but he has anger, yeah. What's he have anger about? Just, he's like anyone, something little, just make him anger out of nowhere. Did you ever see him snap? No, I've never seen him snap. Like How do you know he has anger? Because I've just seen him angry, like, about stuff. What kind of things? I didn't really ask about it. It's not really my thing to know. How did he act when he was angry? I mean, was, he just, does um, he shut down? Does he get fired up? Does he, he shuts down? He just doesn't want to talk to anyone when he gets angry. Has he given you anything to hold of his from that house? Last week, he let me borrow a bow if you want that. What'd you borrow it for? I just thought it was cool. I actually don't even know how to shoot it. So, what'd you borrow it for? thought it was cool. So you thought it would just be cool to have in your room? Yeah. I collect, like, stuff like that. Like, I have a knife that's also a lighter. Just interesting stuff. What would you going to do with the bow? Look at it? Yeah, pretty much. You were going to shoot it at all? I don't know. Was there arrows with it? No. It was just the bow. I no idea how to shoot it. So that kind of seems like odd, though. Most thing I've ever shot is a BB gun. This is an immediate red flag for the detectives. Gregory had listed his bow as one of the items that were stolen from his house. If Dylan has possession of the bow, that means either he stole it or Gregory lied to the sergeant. I'm going to ask you a couple more things. Yeah. I swear from the information you're about to give me is true and correct the best yes, of your sir. knowledge. Okay. You and Greg left school together for that, didn't you? You didn't walk off campus today? You I walked off campus. Did Greg walk with you? I walked with Brian. Okay, you walked with Brian. And where did you walk to? To Brian's truck. Okay. Tracker. His what? Tracker. His tracker. And what you doing where? I went here. And what did you do when you got here? I got my clothes. Okay. Me and Brian drove around and I went to work. Although Dylan is claiming that he's telling the truth, his story is quickly starting to contradict Brian's. So I picked up Greg this morning, right? After I picked up Dylan. And then there's morning times I really don't talk to them. I just pick them up and bring them to school because I'm tired. I'm not a morning person at all. And then I went to school, went through my classes like usual. Lunchtime, I saw them, okay? And then after lunch, that's really like one of the last times I saw them, so. What time you leave school? I don't know. Sometimes she goes to the seventh, sometimes she doesn't. What time did you leave school? 
What's on the dried leaf? Brian repeats the question here to give himself some time to think about his answer. He will repeat part of the question again in a moment, making you wonder why he needs to think about this answer when it should be easy to remember. I left after fifth period. Well, who'd you take with you? With me, it was me and Dylan. And? Greg, but I and took where him did home. you go? I took him back to his, his house. As the detectives continue to dig for the truth, Dylan eventually cracks. Walked off campus, we went to his house. He gave me his stuff to hold. What stuff? I can show you. Tell, me, tell, me what tell us what it is. He gave me his gaming laptop, his gaming PC. He gave me his bow that I borrowed. Today? So I that. He gave you his personal computer too? And the bow? And the bow. Why did he give you... So it's a laptop, a gaming laptop, it's a PC, a and a bow? It's a gaming PC. Okay. Gaming PC... A bow, and what else? Don't know what else, honestly. And then what? Why did he give them to you to hold? Did he tell you? He said he was in trouble, so he gave me it. And I drove off, I came here, I put it in my closet, and I went to work. After he gave me the stuff, I went to work. I didn't do anything else. I have a job to do. Why did he say he was giving you that stuff? What kind of trouble is he in? I don't know what kind of trouble is he in, but got there, and the house looked really torn up. So he told me to take this up. I mean, I get what it was looking like. So you got to the house with Greg and Brian. He's the driver. Did Brian get out? Did you all go inside the house? We got to the door. He ran in. I looked inside. I could see it all messed up. He ran out, gave me that, gave me the bow. He threw a couple of the things that we ended up just throwing out. And then I came back here. What did you throw out? We threw out, like a computer and a printer and just like small stuff like that. Threw it out where? We just found a random dumpster and threw it in there. Where is this random dumpster? Uh, the Winn-Dixie parking lot. With this confession from Dylan, all of the supposedly stolen items mentioned by Gregory are now accounted for. As detectives try to find out what kind of trouble Gregory might have been in, Dylan makes a shocking and disturbing confession. I'm sorry for lying. I know. But now's the time to get it all out. All of it. So tell us what happened. I mean, he's done this much. He's given you personal items for you to hide or to hold. That's not suspicious to you. And it's not suspicious to you that I you mean, guys... Hold on. Knows. He knows. Yeah. Tell us what happened. It's okay, man. It's not on you. Pretty much what happened. Me and Brian, we were driving to school this morning. And he called me and Brian. Hey, something big happened. He wouldn't say it on the phone. So me and him had to go get him. Then he gets in the car and he says, I did it. I really did it. I killed my mother. So we drove to school. We did the entire day. We left early. And we get back to the house. He says, take this. Greg did say something happened to his mother. It was kind of fuzzy because he seemed like he was kind of shooken up. So he said something happened. And like I said, he was really shooken. So he told me something about how his house is messed up. So we went over there and he asked if I could take some of his stuff, right? He said he needed to get rid of some of the stuff in his house. So we go in there and we grab some of the stuff out of his house. So you did go in the house? Yes. And we put it in the tracker and he told, he told us what needed to be like kept and what needed to be thrown away. So we stopped and we... Threw away, like you said, the printer, the jukebox. Yeah. Where else did we stop? The church, right up there in High Banks. What happened at the church, buddy? 
Greg had a, he put uh, one of the, like, a trunk. He put that in the water. What was in the trunk, buddy? A whole bunch of random stuff. Like, just junk that you'd see, like a garage shell. After hours of investigation, interrogation, and turmoil, detectives finally are getting to the truth. Despite having this horrid information, there's still so much they need to know. But Brian is still reluctant to admit one crucial detail. What was said? What did Greg tell you? Don't I mean, cover up for Greg. I'm not if trying to cover said, for Greg. If he said it, then he said it. And then, you know, you did what you did, and that can be explained. Mm-hmm. But don't sit here and just continue to lie to us, all right? Okay. You and Greg are There's more than one person here. It's not just you. Remember that. By stating there's more than one person here, the detective is clearly using the prisoner's dilemma with Brian. There's two other parties involved. It's not just you, okay? So so it's not like we came here blind, blind. looking for answers. Yeah. I can tell that by how much you guys already know and all that, so... Just tell us what he said. He said that... He's telling me, like, an argument. Or not really argument, but he he did... He told me that, like, it's hard to say. It's just honestly... Say it. Just say it. Just say it. We've probably already heard it. Just, yeah, just he said that. that he killed his mother, and I didn't really believe it, so... Okay. All right. With both boys having claimed that Gregory killed his mother, the detectives are inclined to believe that they're telling the truth. Although Brian is claiming that he didn't believe Gregory's claims, it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't get suspicious after helping stage the crime scene. No matter what Brian or Dylan want to believe, they helped their friend cover up the brutal and shocking murder of his own mother. As the detectives prepare to inform Sergeant Pagliari about what they've learned, one of them notices that Dylan isn't doing too well. Yeah, you okay? I know your history. I don't want. I just want to make sure that you're not thinking about harming yourself or anything. Dylan, you okay? I know it's tough. You feel anything for it? You don't feel anything for what? What do you mean you don't feel anything for it? There's like a part of me that knows I should feel bad, but I can't feel anything for it. Hey, what to do? Listen, just do what you're doing. Sitting here talking to me, okay? I can understand. You, you're probably not feeling anything because you haven't really processed it yet. You haven't processed what happened. While one detective comforts Dylan, the other is quick to get Sergeant Pagliari on the phone and let him know what they've discovered. Armed with this new information, Pagliari sits down for one final confrontation with Gregory. But even with everything they know, none of them could have been prepared for what exactly Gregory would say. Do you think, and I'm going to ask you this, I've asked this before. Okay. Because uh, in your hearts of hearts, looking at me face to face, are you a man of integrity? Do you know what that is? I do know what it is. Okay. Are you a person of integrity? I don't think I have the best character. I think I have character flaws. But on the up and up, usually, I try to be as honest as possible. And when I'm not, it's because I'm being selfish. And I can admit that. Okay. I I tend to be selfish, and that's a problem I have. But, okay. Yeah. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at me around my eyes. Okay? I'm going to get up close like this. And I'm going to ask you, did you kill your mother, take things from your house, Distribute them amongst your friends. Come in here today and lie to my face and say that you didn't do that. No. No what? I didn't do that. You didn't kill your mother. No. Okay. Notice Gregory's complete stillness. He's working as hard as possible to lie. He's making constant, intense eye contact and then has no reaction to the accusation. An innocent person would be furious or completely shocked at being accused, angry their friends turned on them. It would show, but from Gregory we see almost nothing. All right, so sit back down. I don't believe you. Why? Well, the good news about it is that all those things that were missing from your house, we found them. Where? You tell me. I give you a clue, 
with one of your buddies. Are you saying my friends robbed my house? Is that what you took out of this? Is that I'm saying that your friends robbed your house? The same friends who, by the way, uh, were at school all day and who dropped you off. Here, I'll, I'll refer to you a little map here, bud. Remember this. They dropped you right here on high banks and whatever the hell this road is. And I asked you earlier, is it possible that your two friends could have went to your home's house and killed your mom and taken those things? And I, I, I did. You, uh, yeah. you said that's impossible because they would have been driven past you. And then they, you would have saw them. The time is up, Greg. The time is up. We found the stuff. Okay. Okay. Your buddies turned us on to it. Now you need to tell me. What happened? Because they've already told me what happened. Told my pals what happened. So you need to come to come to Jesus. You're a religious man. You prayed with your mom. You need to tell me what happened. So what did they tell you? I'm not telling you what they told me because I don't have to tell you what they told me. You tell me what happened. I already told you what happened. Tell me you didn't kill your mother. I didn't. Who killed your mother? I have zero clue. Who took the shit to your house? Well, you just told me. Apparently it's my friends. And when did they think they did that? I have zero clue. Do you honestly believe the things that are coming out of your mouth? Yeah. So when your buddy says that you told him you killed your mother, he's lying. After being backed into a corner, Gregory remains silent for quite a while before something snaps inside him and divulges one of the most chilling confessions we've ever heard. Oh, whatever. All right, I'll tell you what happened. All right, so I got home. I got an argument with my mom. She slapped me across the face. She began to hit me. She started beating me. I didn't like it. So I strangled her to death. I put her in a wheelbarrow. I put her in my car. I took the car. I had a mental breakdown where I was committed three times. As he talks, Gregory adds in, I almost had a mental breakdown and thought about taking his own life even as he's in the middle of admitting to killing his mom. He still wants to appear to be the victim. This is very classic narcissistic thinking and behavior. I drove around Daytona, I dropped the wheelbarrow in some random ass location, and I drove back to the church, I began to dig a hole. I dig a hole right under the fire pit. I dug a pretty deep hole, pretty deep, you know, deep enough to put a body in, all right? All this time, my mom's decomposing body, I dragged it from the from my car to the, to, um, the fire pit, in which case I tried to cut the wedding ring off her finger because I wanted to pawn it, but I couldn't because I didn't have a nice strong enough to cut bones. Oh, well, whatever. Anyways, so I uh, dug that hole, threw her body in there, filled it back in, made it look all nice and natural, dumped my clothes, and then I went home. And I caught a ride to school with my friends. And, yeah. And, yeah. What about the part that you staged a crime scene? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Oh, so um, in the middle of the night, I realized that, hey, my mom just up and disappears. That's not going to make any sense. So um, I decided to make it look like a box strawberry. So I just went to my house and I just threw shit everywhere, which looked pretty convincing. And, yeah. And, yeah, again, not what I want to hear. Why did you drag your two buddies into this and give them the stolen shit? Because I needed to get rid of it. Gregory's complete lack of remorse is disturbing, to say the least, and it only gets more horrifying as he doubles down. I think you have to realize that with my mom beating up and hitting on me, it wasn't like me being like, oh, I've waited ages for this, and then I kill her. No, this was extremely out of impulse, out of me getting beaten the shit out of me. So I just was like, you know, I'm done with it. So I grabbed her and I strangled her. 
So it was not a complete impulse, which doesn't make it better. But the point of the matter is, I was shaken up, obviously. So your mother talked to your father on the phone. When did you strangle your mother? I don't know. Twelve? Twelve thirty? Where was she at when you did it? What? Where was she? In, in the room. Which room? Her room. Sleeping? No, she, she woke up. She woke up after you had your hands around her throat? No, she woke up when I entered her room. And what happened then? She's like, what are you doing? What did you say? And I said, listen, you have to understand that I was not. The stuff that was on my face right now was a lot worse. And I wasn't feeling good. And I said, why did you have to hit me? I said, you said that you wouldn't do that again, but you did it anyways. Why did you have to do that? And she's like, well, I, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You Stop. Yeah. Whatever, blah, 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 bullshit. We've covered that. Yeah. I don't want to hear what she said. She was like, well, you're, you're being a dick. And I, is that really important? Let it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's important. I want you to tell no, me. No, I, no. Does that really warrant? Not important. Does that really warrant? I'm not wasn't being a dick. I already explained to you the conversation that I had with her. All right. It's still about my bio grade. It's still about all that shit. Right, mm-hmm. and it's the same conversation I had with her, but it's yeah, it's the same conversation. It's just like I said, it escalated the screaming and yelling, and then she started hitting me, and I did not hit back. I did not punch her back because, like I said, I wouldn't do that. Gregory is making a lot of referral statements by saying, like I said, over and over. He's trying to find a way to maintain his story wasn't complete lies by pointing out the pieces of truth he said before until. I realized that if I let her keep on beating me around and basically letting her just do whatever she wanted, that eventually it was either going to be me or her. And so I made a decision. According to Gregory, his mother's murder was a preemptive self-defense, but that doesn't justify such a horrifying and unforgivable crime. He continues to share more grisly details of the cold-blooded attack. Put your hands around her neck. Was she facing you when you did it? Yeah. You put your, you extend your arms and put your hands around her throat. Yes. And squeezed. Yeah. What did she do? I mean, what can you do in that situation? You tell me what she was doing. Well, I forced her onto the ground and I was strangling her. And she, I mean, she was trying, she was climbing my arm. She was whatever. I mean, you can probably see on my hand where in this crease here, I was putting so much stress on it because I was over. I was over it. I realized that it was either her getting so angry with me one day that she just takes out a kitchen knife and stabs me, or it was me getting so angry with her that I strangled her to death. And so I took the ladder because I don't plan on, I don't plan on, I didn't, I didn't want her to kill me. I didn't didn't think that was fitting. I wouldn't have worked out. So I just took action instead. Gregory seems to really struggle to come up with an explanation here. I didn't think that was fitting is particularly odd phrasing in the middle of a confession. Though he admitted he killed her, he's trying his hardest to make it self-defense with a roundabout justification. Though it sounds completely unbelievable, it's likely he's probably actually convinced himself of this. You throw her, you force her to the floor, and you choke the life out of her. How'd that make you feel? I felt nothing. How long did it take? 30 minutes. You choked your mother on the floor to death for 30 minutes. Yeah. How'd you know she was dead? Okay. Well, actually, let me rephrase this. I choked her to death. 
And I thought she was dead, and I went to go get the wheelbarrow, and then she was moving, so I had to get back on top of her and finish the job. And then once she, once she wasn't resisting when I was dragging her dead body across the floor, I knew she was dead. Gregory continues with his crude and detached tone as he describes how he disposed of his mother's body. Well, I, listen, dead bodies are heavy. They're a pain in the ass to carry. I was like, all right, well, this is easy. Simple fireman's carry, right? I'll just pick her up, whatever, bring her to the car, throw her in there. No, this is heavy. So I, I got the wheelbarrow, I drug her out to the stairs, and then I positioned the wheelbarrow in the way so I could basically like muscle her body into the wheelbarrow just perfect enough to where I could get her into the car, actually into the wheelbarrow without having to, uh, you know, whatever, break my bag. Okay. So you take her to the to the car. Where do you put her in the minivan? I just shoved her in there. In the very back? The yeah. Open up the trunk, just kind of. I uh, put two belts around her legs, and then I dragged her into the car. Two belts around her legs and dragged her into the car? Yeah, I tied two belts. I had like a belt around her ankle and a belt around her ankle, and then I tied them together, and I used it as a, uh, like a crutch. So you were in the van and just dragged her, like... From the inside the van and drag her from the wheelbarrow into the back of the, the van. Yeah, it was a bit to do, but yeah, I did it. As Gregory describes his next steps, we get a fascinating glimpse into the twisted mind of a teenage murderer. Okay. Um, so you, you pull her into the back of the car, and then where do you go? Well, I threw a wheelbarrow in there, and I was like, and I got the shovel, and I was like, okay, let's do this. Whatever, it's easy. Uh, yeah, no. Then I had a mental breakdown. I was like, holy shit. Blah, 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 whatever. Nope. Blah, 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 whatever. What's that mean? Fill it in. Like, you know, whatever. Holy shit. What am I doing? I need no or whatever. Just ruin my future. Blah, 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 whatever. The repeated blah, blah, blah statements show the fascinating but disturbing dichotomy of how Gregory presents as intelligent as well as very childish. This is the hallmark of most teens, but it's extremely chilling when tied to discussing murder. Basically, just coming to, I was basically reasoning with myself, do I deserve to live? And I realized that I did the thing I did out of self-defense. I mean, sure, she wasn't hitting me in the moment, but it would have eventually just gotten worse and worse and worse. It's always gotten worse and worse and worse over the years, but it was just a matter of time. I was on the highway, I was driving to, uh, and then I realized, well, I, I had lots of thoughts going through my head. My original thought was, oh, well, well, you know, what if I just dump my mom's body in some random last location with a wheelbarrow and then I just go make on the run, just go on the run, right? And then I realized where the fuck would I go? I mean, I had my sister's house in Michigan, yeah, but she, she just turned me into the cops and whatever, I'm not going to get out of the country and whatever, how many hours they find her body. So... It's not worth it. And I was like, well, I could just go into oncoming traffic. I mean, it's really busy in this area for some reason. I could just move my car into oncoming traffic and myself. And I was like, nah, it's a pussy-ass way to go. I'm not going to do that. Right? So I just decided, well, okay, well, I guess we're just back at square one. So I'm going to go go back to where I started. Gregory continues to narrate the account, and he doesn't hesitate to share the disgusting details about what he did to his mother's body. Drove the body back to the church and dig the hole, realized that my phone flashlight's not going to be enough, go back to the house, get a new flashlight. Then, this is, by the way, this is me 
this the when I'm talking about me going back to my house to get money, it's it's just me trying to make excuses for my phone being in certain places. I should have just trashed my phone like I did with my mom's, but I didn't really want to do that because I was listening to music and I whatever I was gonna I was gonna get caught anyway, so there's no point. And so I get I get a couple candles, I get flashlights, I get whatever, and uh, get the aerial lit up. Dig, 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 dig. Realized that the body smells terrible. It smells like Jesus Christ. Do you smell a dead body? This Do I smell a dead body? Yes, yeah. sure I have. Yeah, they smell like Casually listening to music while digging a grave and be so comfortable discussing the smell of his mother's dead body show his complete lack of empathy beyond the remorselessness he's displayed so far. So I was like, okay, you get something coming up. So I went to my house, got a can of bleach. And I was like, okay, when I just when I get the body in there, I'll pour the bleach on it and make it sound, smell sterile before I cover it back up with dirt. I was like, okay, that seems like a pretty good plan, whatever. There's been another shift in Gregory's speech patterns. As soon as he decided to confess, he's now talking a lot faster. This is most likely his normal way of talking, as before he was concentrating on being deceptive. So when we dig the hole, it's like, what, 4.30? And I thought, all right, so we dump the body and then we fill back up. And then at 5.30, we go back. So we, myself. Okay, so you're talking about we being two, yourself, nobody else is there. This is just you. Yeah, it's just me. So anyways, uh, done with the hole. So kick the body in the in the hole, uh, but it doesn't fit. So I had to, I had to um, add Kramer in there. I don't know if I broke any bones, whatever. Pour the bleach on her, put the dirt over her. And I mean, when you go out there, you'll see it. It looks perfectly natural. Doesn't look like there's any anything. And you messed the hole. What'd you do? Well, it was a fire pit. So I literally just threw the dirt back on it, moved the rocks around, it looks perfectly fine. So she's in the fire pit, or under the fire pit. Yeah. Okay. And yet another shocking twist. Gail's body wasn't the only thing Gregory hid in the woods that night. What else is in the woods? What else is in there? Mm -hmm. uh, the broom I used to uh, sweep the uh, drag marks away. Okay. Because when you're dragging a dead body, like I said, I trashed the wheelbarrow on Holly Hills, which is a dumbass move, because I, need, I still needed to get the body out from the trunk of my car and bring it down to this area, right? But I realized whatever, blah, blah, dumb, dumb, dumb. So if I hadn't wasted maybe an hour and a half, I probably would have gotten away with it. But I did waste that hour and a half because I needed to come to terms with what I did. Anyways, I dragged her body with the two belts I had tied to her, her ankles. I dragged it all the way to the fire pit. And, you know, like when you're dragging the body on leaves and palm fronds and whatnot, that collects quite a lot of shit, to be frank. So is there anything else? I mean, you said there's a shovel in the woods, a broom in the woods. How about any of the stolen shit or no, stuff that you took from the Well, there's more. Yeah, there's stolen shit. There's nothing big. It's like all the small shit. And I just kind of chucked it in there because no one else wanted it, and I needed to get rid of it. So there's a cache of stolen shit in the lake behind the fire pit, but it's probably all whatever. Uh, by the way, in the woods by the fire pit, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't point out to you exactly, but the, there's two laptops and a 30 caliber gun right behind the fire pit in the woods. And obviously, you know where the rest of the stuff is. I do. Go back to, before you left your house with your mother's body in the van, you started staging the crime scene. Is that right? You said you took some of the stolen shit out? Yeah. Or, well, not stolen. You took the, 
What'd you take out of the house first, and then what? While your mother's body was in the in the van. Well, I just kind of figured, like, well, I need to get everything out. I was like, well, not everything, but like, you know, I was like, how can I make this look legit? I was like, I can't just like make my mom disappear and then like head to school and be like, oh, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not gonna work. So I need to make it look like something happened, like a box drop or something. And you gotta admit, I don't know if you saw the house. Do you see the house? I haven't gone inside yet, though. All right, your work. It looks quite nice. Okay. It looks quite legit. It's weird. Why is there all this crap up here spilled? There's a broken glass here. I saw this broken, dude. Oh, yeah. It looks so legit, that's why Gregory immediately ended up in the interrogation room confessing right now. Basically, I just of everything, and I grabbed everything of value, and I kind of just threw it in the, the van, and yeah. As Sergeant Pagliari works to understand the rest of this disturbing story, Gregory takes every opportunity to flaunt his horrendous ego. Now, the, some of the stuff you gave to your friends, when did you give some of your stuff to your friends? After school. After school, yeah, I needed, I, there wasn't any time. I was planning what I was going to plan to do. Was I was going to drive up to the Sun Rail and leave my mom's car there and dump the bike somewhere and make it look like that she went to Orlando and that she just got whatever. And I think, actually, if I hadn't made the box robbery and I just kind of drove the car up there and and lost the bike and uh, gotten picked up with my, by my friends and we kind of, like, just kept hush-hush about it, and uh, I killed my mom and put her under the fire pit. You guys probably would have never caught me because you'd probably think that, I, that she got mugged in Orlando and died. And that probably would have made a lot more sense. But I didn't think it through because I was in full thinking and I was doing everything on a whim. So if I had more time to think it through, I probably would have done other things. But that's whatever. Okay. So you went to school, though. Oh, yeah. How did you get to school? Brian Bill picked me up in front of my house. I was wearing jeans covered in dirt uh, as well as boots covered in dirt. You'll find those in the woods with the broom and the shovel but um i was wearing no shirt i grabbed i just grabbed a random shirt and uh some soap and a washcloth and then when i got to school i wiped all the dirt off me the excess blood that was on my face from my mom hitting me and i cleaned myself up and then i went to school and i think nothing happened so then you you go to school like nothing's nothing's up right let's just go to class for a little while right yeah for last my last day as a free man might as well enjoy it okay say goodbye to your friends more or less it's you, whatever. That's, well, your two best buds are the ones you really care about, right? Well, they screwed me over in the end, so it's whatever. Well, the one person keeps a secret, Greg. Yeah. You, uh, when did they find out that you killed your mom? Uh, when they picked me up, because I was covered in blood, which was my blood, but I was covered in blood and dirt, and I was, wasn't wearing a shirt, and I had soap, and they were like, what the f*** happened? And I was like, well, Brian, I called you last night. He's like, yeah, I know, and I told Dylan. Okay, so then what was their reaction? Apathy. Tell me. Scrub. Elaborate. They didn't care. They didn't care. They think they thought you were full of shit. I mean, well, yeah, they thought I was full of shit. They only took them back to where I did it. Which was after school. Yeah. And then after school, you took them to the, to the church. Yeah. And then you just started divvying out shit. Yeah, I said, take what you want. Knowing that your mother was dead, then you told them, take what you want. And they, they were good with that? Yeah, they're good. Who took what? I don't know. Okay. There's now no denying that Dylan and Brian helped Gregory cover up his mother's murder and the two are detained while Sergeant Pagliari wraps up Gregory's interrogation. Well, how about the part, uh, I gotta say, I was impressed with the, the kicking of the door. Did you do all that yourself? Oh, no, I had those two do it. Oh, okay, so again, more things that these guys did. Yeah. Right? So tell me about that. Well, I, I was like, hey, I need help staging the crime scene. And they were like, okay, we'll help you. So both of them together 
kicked in the door. Yeah, it was very impressive. Okay. Do you guys have this on video or anything? Did you like me? My, this no, I, w- I wish I had it on video. That would be graphic. That'd be great. But no. But I'm sure if you uh, dust, for, dust for footprints on the right. door, you'll find their shoes. Okay. Uh, and you'll find it all over the house as well. But then we went to my mom's room. We got the gloves. Give them gloves because they didn't want to get their fingerprints on anything, even though they had already kicked the door open and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. And even though they're already like basically helping me do this Whatever. As the interrogation comes to a close, Gregory once again displays his astonishing apathy towards his mother's death. So, am I going to go to prison or what? What's up? Well, what's going to happen is I have to uh, obviously let someone from the state attorney's office know about mm-hmm. today's events, and then we'll go from there. So, I, I don't have, there's no end game as far as what's going to end up happening to you. And uh, Your question is, like, what, prison and all that jazz? I don't know. But you will be arrested. Well, I can't, yeah, obviously. But, like, since I'm a minor, can I even go to prison? Is that, like, a thing? That I don't know. Again, I'm just the person who gets the facts and presents Is that, is that a thing? Again, yeah. all we're going to do, Detective Jones and I are just here to get the facts of the case. We present our findings to the legal part of, of things, which that's not me. So, so since I'm in the police station already, are you do handcuffs and all that jazz? You probably will be handcuffed at some point. Yeah. No, bro. And then I did... Act of the century, she's giving a Grammy for that 9-11 call. Um, You should give it a listen, it's quite nice. Though Gregory is bragging about his 911 call, it's actually something that gave him away from the beginning. When he was asked where the emergency was, he immediately launched into his story, which is an instant red flag. 911, where's your emergency? Um, I, I, I just got home, and my house... It's completely trash. It looks like someone broke in the side door. An innocent person is interested in help, not telling a story. It's incredible that the detectives can keep a straight face listening to him. Before officially arresting Gregory, the sergeant has one last question for him. You've taken a little bit of pride in what you did. That's fine. You know what? It is what it is, right? Uh, Are you willing to go with us and show us where at the church where you put her and everything? Do a little reenactment of what happened? So again, if you're willing to, to ride with us, I'll, I'll sit with you in the back seat of a patrol car. Uniformed deputies will come in and, and handcuff you, of course, and put you back there with me. And then you'll just take us over to the church. And then we'll get out and do a little video reenactment of uh, the scene over there. And just kind of go through some things. Tell us what you were thinking. That's all I'm looking to do at this point. You want to do that? I'd be down. You're down? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. After arriving at the church, Gregory leads the officers to the burial site. Drop. And then I put my, originally I put my phone, I, um, if I can find this, oh, are your phones out here? Well, no, it's not. I wish it was. No, me too. But, uh, <laughs> oh, whatever. Well, there's a, okay. there was a, uh, wood, did they find the stuff back here? Uh, we probably found a few things, but go ahead what you recall. All right, well, whatever. There's, um, did you guys find the gun back here? Did we find a gun back here? It's okay if we there's did. There's one back there. Yeah, we did. Yeah, okay. A rifle? Yeah. You guys found the, the laptops as well? I believe so, sir. All right, sounds good. Okay. Keep so, going. yeah, whatever. I set my phone so I get some light, but then I realized I needed more, so I had to go back to my house and get more. But uh, sure. I, tell, me, tell me how you dug the hole. Let's talk about that. Took a shovel and I dug it up. Okay. All right. And then how did you put your mother's body in the hole? How, how was she oriented? Did she face up? Is she... Uh... Uh, I. Okay, so originally I was going to put her in legs first, and I realized that was a bad idea. Right. So I uh, put her in head first, and then I folded her legs in. You're going to... When you... When you Dig her up whenever you do that. The You'll find the legs first, which should make it easier for you to pull it out. But. Okay. How big a hole are we talking about here, Greg? Pretty big. Well, I mean, let's say circumference-wise. If you had to put a, you're a math guy. What well, do you think? 
I mean, you guys got rid of the fire pit, but it was the circumference of the fire pit. That's what it, the whole thing was just the circumference of the fire pit? Yeah, and then it kind of coned down. Did you get tired? Well, yeah, that and I was on a time limit. Okay, all right. So, so take the basketball, just so you're aware, a great strangled her to death. Two hands on her neck. Go ahead. Originally started with one, but then I thought two is better than one. Okay, all right. And that, that was two on both times? You choked your Well, I will, first. yeah, well, I, I, she was like up against the wall, and if I was on my house, I'd show you, but uh, okay. I, it was it was interesting. No, yeah. I, just, I just want to know. Okay, yeah, both, both. So against the wall, standing up, and then on the well, floor? Well, I had her up against the wall on the floor. Against the wall on the floor. Yeah, you see, can, that it, makes sense? It, does, it, it doesn't make it, like it's, sense. It's, does hard it? to, it's hard to make sense. Was her head up against the wall and her body was on the floor? Yeah. Like you had her like pinned in the corner? I had her like in, in a corner. Bench? I had her in a corner, yeah. Of the wall on the floor? Yeah. There you go. It was like bedroom, right? Master bedroom? Yeah. You can see when you go in there, the, the bed's tilted. We started on the bed. We struggled off the bed onto the left side and we're proceeded to kill her. Okay. While Gregory leads the officers through the woods, Brian and Dylan sit together in the back of a nearby patrol car as the boys talk about their current situation, seeming not to realize they're being recorded. It becomes very clear that they don't understand the consequences they'll soon be facing. I told the entire thing because yeah. they knew it already. Dude, I haven't been in cuffs all night. And then this lady really? shows up and she puts me in cuffs. But you were in cuffs? Yeah. Dude, they showed up and I was okay. And then they're like, okay, we change for you in cuffs. They Dude. transported me without cuffs. I'm like, wait, so like Dylan saw this house and was like, no, they're with our other detectives. And was like, shit, he's part of the police station. So they called my father. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah oh. they called my father. My father knows that I'm involved in this. And I'm going to get chewed out when I get home. And I'm not going to get a birthday or Christmas or anything. I'm going to be grounded for the next 10 years and disowned by my entire family. Dude, I'm not even getting to work tomorrow. Someone's about to get fired. Dude, no, we had that job. Oh, man. We're making 15 an hour. Come on. Guys, hours? this is important. Yeah, it was 15 an hour. Wait, are we not able to anymore? I can't be What time are we going over there? Only the willpower stay up so long. No, how it's working, you have to be there at 11 o'clock till around 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's 8 times 15. It's 140. Each. It seems that the concept of serving jail time for their crimes doesn't even cross the boys' minds. Is this just a sign of their immaturity, or do the two really feel that they haven't committed a crime by helping Greg cover up his mother's murder? Is that Greg? That's not Greg. That guy's too tall and skinny. No, it's Greg. Look at his limp. Yeah, he has to point out where the body is. That's Greg. That's Greg. Mine. No. I know, he's not in mine. Like, honestly. Look at what mess we're in. Like, sh- I'll do a lot of things for a friend. I was under the impression I was taking some property. I, I got some speakers out of it. I was enjoying those tonight. I was kind of drunk. You should ask. The complete lack of accountability from Dylan and Brian is appalling. However, their utter absence of remorse only becomes more apparent when they bizarrely decide to sing Alien Boy by Oliver Tree. I was sitting there singing Bruno Mars and all that, just like blasting the speakers. I had them all hooked up and it looked nice in my room. I fell down. I was listening to that too. Three doors down so you can't ignore it. I'll hunt you down like Tyrannosaurus. Eventually, all three boys are transported back to the police station. After a hectic night of processing, Gregory, Dylan, and Brian are reunited in the back of a patrol car and transported to the Department of Juvenile Justice, where it's very clear that they have no idea they're being recorded. 
because like I was asking for a bottle of water so much. Uh, the one that he was like, the water's in that fountain right there. And I'm just like, I'm not drinking out of that. Like I'm just going to get a straight from drinking from that water fountain. Right? I know. That's just. You have handcuffs in, in the cell? When, like, were they in front of you or behind you? In front. Okay, I was going to say, they're but, How the hell are you going to do that? You're going to have to do some like trubby. Oh, no, no. When I, when I had to like flush the toilet, I literally had to like kick the button pretty much. Yeah, I need to be quiet for one second. Right. One Delta 65 Central. Three juvenile males in round two, DJJ. Starting mileage is 581. All right, you guys can go ahead and talk to you. One. Two. Oh, I was not sitting down on that toilet. It was like steel and there was white stuff all over the toilet. I'm just like, I'll pass on that. My dad, dude, why my dad What? My family isn't here. I guess they just told me already. You're Brian? What? Yeah, I'm Brian. No, they have a lawyer. They're with a lawyer with you. Well, my family loves me, so. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not getting, I, I'm going to get disowned anyway. The lawyers to get me disowned. The more time the three boys spend reunited, the less remorse they seem to have. I was arrested on my grandma's birthday last night. Last night was my grandma's birthday. I got to see her and said happy birthday first. Oh my god, Kat's gonna kill me. Why? She freaked out when I didn't answer her for 30 minutes. She had everyone she knew blow up my phone, and she called me like 30 times and texted me about 100 times. Instead of being worried about what Kat will think of him after she learns about the horrible things he's done, Brian only cares about her being mad at him for not responding to her texts. This just showcases the utter lack of understanding from the boys. I'm ready to die and get slapped about 30 times when I get back to school. I had online work I had to do. I'm worried about school still graduating, you know. What? It's my senior year. I'm supposed to graduate this year. For the first time, it seems as though the boys may be starting to realize that their disturbing actions will have long-term consequences. School, friends, and life as these boys know it will now be changed forever. Not long after arriving at the juvenile center, Brian's family posted his $100,000 bond. In the three and a half years prior to their court date, Brian finished high school, started college, and was employed. On the other hand, Dylan wasn't offered a bond for 309 days, as the court was concerned that his history of mental health issues may lead him to hurt himself. When he finally was given a bond, it was $200,000, meaning there was essentially no way for him to post his bail. For his part in the crime, Dylan was sentenced to 828 days in jail, followed by 10 years of probation. Despite both boys having been charged with accessory after the fact to second-degree murder, Brian was given a different sentence. At his hearing, Gail's sister spoke on the pain their family had suffered as a result of the actions taken by Gregory, Dylan, and Brian. In response, Brian said that he was sorry the tragic killing had happened, but that he was simply naive at the time and didn't take Gregory's murderous claim seriously. Even at his sentencing, it seemed that Brian was wholly unwilling to take full accountability for his actions. In the end, he was sentenced to 14 years of probation, with the first 364 days of that term being served in the Volusia County Jail. 
According to Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood, Gregory Ramos is one of the top three sociopaths he's ever come in contact with, and it's easy to see why. For the brutal slaying of his mother, Gregory was charged as an adult and was sentenced to 45 years in prison. While his sentence can be reviewed again in 25 years, Gregory will serve a lifetime probation no matter what.